Our scripture reading begins in the Old Testament, Proverbs chapter 4, and we'll be looking at verses 20 through 27. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you, and the page numbers are listed in the bulletin. Proverbs 4, beginning at verse 20. Listen here to God's word. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth, and put devious speech far from you. Let not your eyes uh, let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet, and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left, turn your foot from evil. Amen. Our gospel reading can be found in Matthew chapter sixteen. And we'll be reading from verses 5 through verse 12. Matthew 16, beginning at verse 5. And the disciples came to the other side of the sea, but they had forgotten to bring any bread. And Jesus said to them, Watch out. And beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They began to discuss this among themselves, saying, He said this because we did not bring any bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, You men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves and the five thousand? And how many baskets full you picked up? Or the seven loaves and the four thousand? And how many large baskets full you picked up? How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? But beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not say to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Amen. We have two epistle readings. first one's found in 1 Peter, chapter 5, and we'll be looking at verses 6 through 11. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. 
After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. And then our other epistle reading is found in 2 John. We'll be reading it in its entirety. 2 John. It's good to hear those pages turning. The elder to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, for the sake of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I was very glad to find some of your children walking in truth, just as we have received commandment to do from the Father. Now I ask you, lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but the one which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. And this is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves, that you do not lose what, you have, what we have accomplished, but that you may receive in a full reward. Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him in your house and do not give him a greeting. For the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds." Though I have many things to write to you, I do not want to do so with paper and ink. But I hope to come to you and speak face to face, so that your joy may be made full. The children of your chosen sister greet you. Amen. This time I'd like to ask you to bow your heads and silently meditate upon God's Word that we've read this morning. And we come in Jesus' name. And we just want to praise you and thank you for this opportunity that we share to assemble together as God's people to worship you. How grateful we are in knowing that we can say that we love you because you first loved us and sent your Son to be the satisfaction for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. How grateful we are that we have the written Word of God that can guide us in the ways of God and lead us in the purposes of God and allow us to be blessed in walking with you, Lord God. So we pray that the Spirit of God who inspired the writers of your holy word would indeed inspire and illuminate our minds and hearts today to receive the living word of God. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just over the, about just over a week now, I've heard about several people stumbling and falling. Some of them ended up with just minor cuts and bruises, but others had to be taken into the hospital to be stitched up. I'm sure that you've never stumbled or fell, but I know I have, and many times the reason for me stumbling and falling is because, get this, I wasn't watching where I was going. Does that at all sound familiar? <laughs> I'm sure it does. I wish I would have had somebody there close by who would, who would have yelled out and said, watch where you're going. But I didn't. Recently, I've been reading some accounts of women who had been actually walking on the rim of the Grand Canyon. And you can understand when you're at the Grand Canyon and you see such a glorious sight, the wonder of it all, that you can actually maybe forget where you're at. Well, that was the case of one of these ladies that was walking on the rim, on the edge of the Grand Canyon. She forgot where she was, and she ended up falling over the rim and dying. There was another woman I read about that she was actually taking pictures, and she was with her mom, taking pictures of the sights there, and she kept moving backwards as she was trying to focus in. And she also almost fell over the rim. Fortunately, her mom caught her, or somebody did, and she was spared. Did you know that on the average, there are 12 deaths every year at the Grand Canyon. Some for various reasons, but they say at least two or three of those deaths annually occur from people falling off the rim of the canyon. I'm sure that they would have been Delighted to hear. Watch out where you're going. And yet, as we read these passages today, we see not only the admonition of watching out, but beware of where you're going. In fact, in Proverbs, the passage we read in chapter 4, verses 20 through 27 we read these words in verse 23. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. The reason why that verse is so important to us today is that indeed the heart that he's speaking of is not the one that's beating in our chest. It's talking about the core being of our lives what we call the inner man. He's telling us to watch over that. 
You see, because through the mind and the will uh, of our hearts, we carry a reservoir of information. And hopefully that reservoir of information is wisdom that we receive from God. And that this collection of wisdom that we receive from God, this godly instruction is stored there and preserved there so that we might be able to use it in the boundless life applications that we face in this life. <clears throat> One, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> One of the things that we realize with all this is that our hearts are taking in information all the time. And this admonition of watching over our hearts is very important for us because, if I can use the vernacular of today, it goes like this. What goes in comes out. In other words, if God's truth is coming in to that reservoir of truth that we are taking into our hearts, then it will transform us. It will build us up, and it will build up others because of what comes out. But, if we are not watching over our hearts and we allow a lot of worldly stuff to come in and junk to come in, it is garbage in, garbage out. Jesus in Luke chapter 6 verse 45 said it this way, the mouth speaks from that which fills the heart. Let me ask you today, what are you filling your heart with? What are you allowing to come into your heart and to become part of that reservoir? The proverb goes on and, and, and gives us the idea that indeed from our hearts, there, there, there's the place where we regulate what we talk about and what our speech is. In fact, he tells us to put away from us deceitful mouth and, and put devious speech far from you. And it's from our hearts that we monitor what we view. As he says there in verse 25, let your eye look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. And from our hearts, we govern our behavior. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. And as we look in the passage there in Matthew chapter 16, we see that indeed Jesus is telling his disciples to watch, to beware. And in this passage, he actually says in verse 6, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. 
course, you, as we read the passage, you know they're a little bit confused. And they were thinking of the leaven of bread. But then they come to realize, as Jesus sort of directs them and corrects them, that indeed what he's talking about is not the leaven of bread, as it says there in verses 11 and 12, but they understood that he was talking about the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. In fact, in another passage, in Luke chapter 12, verse 1, we hear it again from the Lord Jesus. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And then he adds this, which is hypocrisy. Well, what is hypocrisy? Well, in the New Testament, it is applied to human conduct that was externally religious, but insincerely motivated. A simulation, if you will, of goodness. In classical Greek, it gave the idea of an actor playing a role in a drama or theater. But in the Septuagint, the, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it took a more evil connotation. It gave the idea of impiety or transgression or lawlessness. And what Jesus is strongly denouncing is that the Pharisees and Sadducees are play actors in a religious drama whose teaching as well as whose conduct were deceptive to themselves and to those who followed them. He says, watch out, beware. You see, they were play-acting an external religious practice for reputation's sake. And all along, they were sacrificing the reality of God's truth in their hearts. I'm a connoisseur of seafood. Some of you have just come from the beach, one of the places I love to go. There's a special restaurant right outside of Ocean City. It's called the Crab Trap. Anybody be there? been there? Yeah. Have you ever had their crab bisque? What would you think of their crab bisque, though, if it was with imitation crab. I would stop going there immediately. You see, because I know the real McCoy, what genuine crab tastes like. And therefore, if somebody was to substitute an imitational crab into that soup, it would no longer have the quality of taste that I'm accustomed to. I can remember another time when I was younger. It was a hot summer day, and uh, I had a good friend who lived right down the road from me, and I said, you know, why don't you come over, and uh, I'll make us milkshakes. My mom and dad were both working at the time, and um, 
as he hung up the phone and was grabbing his bike and is on his way over, there I am, pulling out the milk. I, I pull out the Hershey's chocolate uh, sauce syrup, and, and, and I'm all ready to make this milkshake for us to enjoy. And then I go to the freezer, and guess what? No ice cream. Now, what's a milkshake without ice cream, I tell you? Well, it's just chocolate milk, right? The funny thing about it is, I figured out, how am I going to thicken this to make it look like a milkshake and try to deceive my friend into thinking that it's a milkshake? Guess what I grabbed? No, I grabbed Carnation Instant Breakfast. You know that powdery stuff that sort of resembles dark sand? and probably tastes the same way, I dumped some of that in there, and when I blended it all up, it was nice and thick and looking great, right? Until you tasted it. It's probably the healthiest milkshake that I ever partake of. Rich would really appreciate this. He doesn't like chocolate ones. He likes vanilla ones. The, the carnation breakfast would never have worked for him. But I gave it to my friend. I threw it in the freezer real fast to try to chill it up. And I gave it to my friend and I said, here's your milkshake. And guess what happened? As soon as he put that to his lips and began to taste it, he said, oh, this, this ice cream must be bad. <laughs> Beloved, that's the same way in which these Pharisees and these Sadducees were trying to pawn off what true religion was supposed to be like. It was all external. It was fake. It was missing the cream. And we can be just as guilty of trying to mix up something other than true worship and true service to our Lord. And that's why Jesus was saying, watch out, beware of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. You see, it will always lead you to the wrong place. Watch out where you're going. Don't allow a lot of the teaching that's even going around in the name of Christianity and it's deviating from the Word of God and think that that is something that's good for you to ingest. It is not. But you know what's amazing? I'm going to watch my time. My wife said, watch your time. What's amazing is this. These Pharisees and these Sadducees were so entrenched in this that they didn't realize how wrong they were until John the Baptist came on the scene. And as he's baptizing at the Jordan River, as is uh, given to us in Matthew chapter 3, he sees this group of Pharisees and Sadducees all dressed up in their garments walking down to the baptism. And you know what he says to them? He doesn't say hi. <laughs> he says, you brood of vipers. 
Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bring forth fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose that you can say, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abra- uh, to Abraham. You brood of vipers. John the Baptist was able to see right through the garments, right through the external practices, and was able to describe who they were really inside. It reminds me of um, one of my favorite series of films that came out was uh, the Indiana Jones series. Any, any of you watch them? Sure. Harrison Ford, a bunch of other in the cast, but one of the things that always sort of made me crawl a little bit in my seat was the one that was about the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Do you remember when he lowers himself down into that cavern and he sees the floor moving? Well, what's there? Vipers. Desert vipers filling the floor, coming out of some of the the, um, statues and all the rest of it. That freaked me out. We need to know that when John the Baptist was calling the Pharisees and Sadducees a brood of vipers, he was talking to them as those who are being born out, if you will, offspring of serpents, poisonous, venomous snakes. And you know, it wasn't only John the Baptist that said this, because even Jesus in Matthew chapter 12 after he had healed a demon-possessed man who was deaf, who was uh, dumb and blind, how the Pharisees came and accused him. This man cast out demons only by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. And Jesus responds to their accusation by saying this, that he cast out demons by the Spirit of God and blasphemy against the Spirit shall not be forgiven. And then later on, he says in verses 34 through 37, you brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man out of the good treasure brings forth what is good. The evil man out of his evil treasure brings forth what is evil. And I say to you that every careless word that men shall speak, they shall render an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. You see, even those who are living in hypocrisy are ready to even bring false accusation to those who are living in the truth. They did it to Jesus. They will do it to you and me. 
It's as old as the Garden of Eden when the serpent said to Eve, God has not said. It's as true as what Jesus said about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes later on in John chapter 8. He said, you are of your father, the devil. And Jesus wants to warn them and us about and beware of the snares of religion and religious leaders who are only putting on an external front but aren't living according to the truth of God's Word. This is a web of deception that leads to hypocrisy. And they need to face it because as they're living for the truth, they are going to suffer for the truth, and they're going to be persecuted for the truth, and they're going to be hated for the truth, just as Jesus was. And these snares of deception are things that we need to be aware of and watch out for. <clears throat> the other point that I wanted to make about these folks that are living in hypocrisy is sometimes they will use and instigate fear as well as hate. We see it in the life of the Lord Jesus. And in Luke chapter 12, verses 4 through 9, Jesus tells his disciples once again, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he has killed, has the authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Jesus later in John chapter 15 reminds his disciples, if they hated me, they are going to hate you. And in Matthew chapter 23, we hear the proclamation of Jesus' series of woes against these unrepentant Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes who are living in hypocrisy and leading others to do the same. Unless we think, as Jesus' disciples today, that we're immune to this temptation of hypocrisy, all we need to do is look at some of the examples that are in the New Testament. Like in Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 21, where the Apostle Paul has to rebuke Cephas, Peter, because when men from the, 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 uh, the church in Jerusalem, the men of James, come into their midst, they sort of back away from their Gentile believers in order to act like Jews. And the apostle Paul has to rebuke Cephas, Peter, for his hypocrisy. Or think about when Paul warns about those who have fallen into apostasy because they have fallen away from the true faith in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Or Peter's urging in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, where he says to the people he's writing to, to believers, to put away hypocrisy along with envy and slander. 
And then in the passage we read this morning in 2 John, verses 7 through 9, John warns us that many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming into flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. And then he says this, watch yourselves that you might not lose what we have accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. And then he warns further, he says, anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. Well, the big question we need to ask ourselves at this particular point then is, what steps can we take to avoid these pitfalls? I think 1 Peter chapter 5 gives us some really great examples here, the, ones that we, the verses that we read here, beginning at verse 6. The first one is this. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord. God is opposed to the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And the scripture says, and he will exalt you. And he will care for you because he does care for you. Second thing that's in this passage, he tells us to be sober in spirit. That means to, to live a life under the self-control that comes through the Spirit of God, to be sober-minded, to be thinking right in accordance with that reservoir of godly truth that has been implanted into our hearts. I had a professor once, as we were considering apologetics, that means the defense of the faith, one of the things he said to me, it stuck with me even to today. He says, if you know the truth, you'll always be able to pick out error. But if you don't know the truth, it will be unclear, the errors. That means our minds, our hearts need to be trained daily in the Word of God. Third, he says, be on the alert because there are not only those who want to live in hypocrisy and, and do not want the, the truth of God's Word and will try to sway us, but there's also an adversary. Our adversary, he says, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We need to be watchful and attentive to not only ourselves, but also our family members. We need to stay on the alert. The fourth thing he says there, we need to resist the devil. Firm in our faith, even though we may suffer for it. And when we do these things, 
the final point that he makes, should bring great consolation and hope to us all. He says, the God of all grace, who called you in Christ, will perfect you, meaning he will bring you to completion, that which he started in you. He will even be able to restore you if you need to be restored. He will confirm you. He'll hold you fast. I love that song. He will hold me fast. He will confirm you in the things of God. He will strengthen you. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. And he will establish you. He will ground you. He will keep you on that solid foundation that's found in Christ alone. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. To sum up, just a couple things. Let us be a people who don't allow everything that's coming at us and trying to enter in, don't allow it to enter in. Be watchful. Beware of what you are allowing into the core of your being, into your thought life, into the presence of, of what causes you to make decisions for life. Watch over your hearts with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. You know, one of the things that's an ever-growing issue because of COVID and because of the instability in our land and all the rest of it is that people are going in droves to buy security systems and to have security on everything they own. Let me encourage you to put God's spiritual security system into play that we've outlined today for your heart. Second, because there are those who are not living in the truth, that are presenting something other than the truth of God, we need to be aware so that we're not coached into or corralled to conform with a play-acting religion. In other words, just doing it on the outside, but not allowing it to have genuine impact in our relationship with Christ in our hearts. We need to beware of external deceptive influences. Do not settle for imitation. Call out to God. Third, we need to watch out and beware that we have an adversary who is prowling like a lion ready to devour someone. Therefore, we need the spiritual armament of God. We need to realize that we live in a, in a world that is under spiritual attack and remain vigilant against those attacks. And fourth, 
we need to rely on our great and almighty God who will give us all the grace that we need because he has called us to himself in Christ Jesus to eternal glory. And he has all authority and power. We can trust him. We need to obey him each day. In closing, I just want to read the closing of another letter by Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority for all time and now and forever. Amen and amen.